So where were we last week? Yes, and notice that we have we have uh, some all-weather Christians here today. When I when I was in the Air Force, we had all-weather airplanes. The problem is that we had fair-weather pilots. This way, all-weather airplanes. All, yeah, all leather. We may have yeah. Yeah, wait till you get old. And wait till your your enunciation gets bad. Oh no, yours has gotten better, I remember. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, so uh, we've been going through Genesis. I'm going to only do one more uh, message next week on Genesis. We're going to talk about Noah again. Uh, but what we saw before was that the wickedness on the earth was really, really bad. And so God is going to destroy the world. And, and that really uh, grieves God's heart. And he's going to destroy the whole thing. Is, uh, you guys know the story, and uh, uh, but we're going to talk about uh, we're going to talk about temptation. Temptations, wonderful thing, right? Uh, have you ever noticed that uh, that when you're tempted, you probably don't think about this when you're tempted uh, because you don't really want to think about it, but there's all God has always g provided a way of escape, right? You don't usually look at that; you kind of ignore it. Maybe sometimes we don't want to take uh, what He provides the way of escape because uh, basically we like some of our sins. You know, last night I uh, was watching some, of the, uh, looking at some of the movies that uh, uh, that were uh, available for me to watch for free this weekend. And uh, I only found maybe one or two that I thought, I, I don't need to see that. I don't need to have that in my brain. And so, but does my body like to see those things? Sure, absolutely. We are, that's the way we were made. We are made, uh, we, and even if it comes to monster movies and all those things, we, we start off with this little tiny stuff and then we, we've gotten, who was it? It was one of the writers for Aliens said that, the only way to make a next alien movie is you have to step it up one more notch. And every time you have to do it, you have to step it up one more notch. It's like the Star Wars movie. Remember when they came out with those second series and they didn't step it up one more notch and nobody liked them, I think, I don't know. But anyway, in these slides, we kind of ignore the real issue uh, because uh, uh, where, where, what happened to it? Did we get rid of the, those, those uh, guys with the things on their shoulder? Where'd they go? Did they, they didn't come up? Put them up, Alan. There we go. Is, is that the way life is? Is that the way temptation is? But it really ignores the real issue about sin, doesn't it? Because you don't really, I mean, you may have some sense with somebody whispering in your mind different things. But, and the second one is kind of, is that someone has, uh, what's the second one? Where's the second one? Do I have another one? What happened to it? Oh, yeah. I don't know. What, did I have the other? Were there two of them up there? Or did I miss one? Oh, well, anyway, it doesn't make any difference. <laughs> because the, the problem is, is that um, the second one has someone else tempting us. And really, James says this, but when each one is tempted, he is carried away and enticed by his own lust. You see, the problem isn't external. The problem is us. N externally, if you are, uh, no one can make you do anything that you don't want to do, okay? 
what, what you do, you do because you choose to do that. And there are external factors that are sure, but those external factors, they touch our own desires. And it seems to make us not want to take that way of, es of escape. It's like warning you to not put garbage in your mind. And I talked about that myself. You know, we don't want to put garbage in our mind, and yet what do we do? We don't turn off certain TV programs. And all these sitcoms that we watch today, they're all of them are bad. I don't think I've seen a good one. But the problem is, is you start watching one, and after a while, guess what happened? It's not so bad. That's the way the world is. It's not so bad. And, and that's the way our world is. We kind of accept the things the way life is, and we say, well, it's not so bad. I was watching a movie the other day as well, because I've been uh, down... Uh, and sick lately and I'm watching a movie and all of a sudden this little 10 year old kid uses this obscene language and of course or, or a 90 year old lady uses an obscene language and everyone who smiles is like oh isn't that funny well, because we've gotten used to that we don't sin these things don't bother us anymore and, and it seems like there's something else no matter what's going on in the world there's a lot of messed up people in the world, right? We sing that song, that brokenness aside. That's what we were. We, were. we were sinners. And God took us and changed us and made something beautiful out of our lives. And there's a lot of people with messed up lives, and what they don't understand is that there will be consequences of living a messed up life. That's the way it is. And we are living in, uh, in, in, in this world. But God will always have a way of escape from temptation and not only that, he will also always provide a way in to the family of God or place of safety. We saw from this previous verse that judgment is coming. And the question is this, and we, we don't think about this. Uh, I don't think I think about it very much. Will God provide a way of escape for these people on the planet? There's people living a long time. There's giants there's men of renown this is there's there's these uh, believers uh, that or seem to be believers at one time and this world is filled with you know uh, wickedness was all over the place but will God provide a way of escape hmm. if you were living with people who lived in Egypt you know in the, you know uh, 4,000 years ago you'll find stories that kind of explain the flood. In the ancient Sumerian culture, the story of the flood is there. Matter of fact, it's everywhere. It's all in the, uh, all the cultures have it. And they all describe it in the way of their own theology and their gods, okay? Uh, but it's not like the Bible story. What I find interesting is that the ancient cultures all frame this differently, but they all have it. Um, so, so to the Sumerians, there's this plot among the divine council to destroy humanity. There's no reason given, uh, but, uh, there's a, but a plot of divine conspiracy. Now, two people survived and are made gods, but there's no reason given for the plot until the plot's exposed. And the reason uh, is not that the people were evil, but the reason for the flood in the Sumerian culture was that they were trying to control population. That's what they were trying to do. And the god Ea, wanted to control the population with wild animals and famines and plagues. So you can see how they're taking what is in this world and try to explain it in their own theology. Their ark is 175 uh, feet 
a cube, okay? It's like a Borg ship. I, I don't remember where I got this information, but I remember reading it, and I think I, I passed out some information on this before. Um, so can you imagine a square, a boat? Can you imagine a square boat? You, it's like being a round boat, you know, be rolling all over the place. It would be terribly un unstable. It would be a terrible thing to have. And so, but, and when we read the scriptures, we know that God knows how to build a ship. That's what he knows how to do. So for them, the person loaded his entire household, domestic animals, wild beasts, and craftspeople, and then the person in charge turned it over, uh, the manifest over to the boatman. Then it rained, and the fountains of the deep opened. Dead bodies floated on the sea like school swells of, of dead, dead fish. Um, and then it did this for six days and six nights, and the seventh day it stopped. And on the seventh day, a dove was released, and it returned, and a swallow, and it returned, and then a raven, and it flew away, and the flood subsided. That's their, their, their flood story. And it seems like they got their flood story mixed up with the creation story. Now, some people will tell you, and you can look it up on the Internet, that this Sumerian history predates Genesis. And it might. Because if the if if it actually occurred, it could it could occur it could be written down any any time, but Moses sets the record straight. So, this is what's story that's running in the Egyptian culture. This is the story that the people, the Jewish people, the the, the, the Hebrew people have as they're leaving Egypt. And Moses is going to tell them about a different God. He's going to tell them the real cause for calamity or evil. He's going to tell them that there's a God who's different from all the gods of all the other religions. He's going to talk of a God who loves his creation. This God is noted for a heart of love. But then you say, well, he's about ready to kill all humanity. But God is a God of second chances. And there is room in the ark for more. We'll, we'll talk about that. This is a God who one can respect. There is no whim here of population control. He only judges evil. And he always provides a way of escape. He always judges evil. And he always provides a way of escape. God doesn't kill people on a whim. He doesn't uh, do this for population control. He, and he does, he's not pleased. Remember we read that? It grieved God. God is not pleased that he has to do this. God is only pleased, as far as I know, to kill one person. And we'll talk about that later. Maybe you can think about who that was. There are few gory descriptions. We said this last week as well. In the Bible, there's very few gory descriptions. Uh, depictions in the Bible. Uh, they're very minimal. There's, I remember one in Acts where Herod's belly burst open and he was eaten of worms. Uh, I was, I was going to show you a picture of that, but I didn't, couldn't find one. That's in the book of Acts. That's how this got these questions running through my mind as I read the story, and I was trying to ask these questions and see if I can come up with some answers. And I, I, I wonder why there is not more gore in the Bible. 
You know, I met a lady, and I think I've told you this before, you know, she doesn't read the Old Testament because there's a, there's a lot of blood in the Bible, a lot of gore. And, and I, I don't think there's as much as, certainly, it can't even turn on TV today and see, you'll see more gore than that's recorded in the, in the Bible. If this was your child in the ocean there, in the waters, would you like to see dead bodies, bodies floating on the sea like schools of fish? Would you like to see that? No, you wouldn't. God loves his creation. And he is grieved like no others. He's grieved more than we, he, he grieves over our sin more than we grieve over our, our own sin. God isn't morbid. And he is not one who pushes the, uh, the gore to the edge so that we can be intrigued by it. Because that's what we, we, we are. We're intrigued by everything as it pushes the, the limits. God loves his creation like no other. There's a psalm, I think it's Psalm 8. What is man that thou care for him? Just think about God. You know, uh, the other day I was out, where was I? I think I was out in the laundry room and I saw this tiny, 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 tiny spider. And I can't believe this, that they even exist. So small, probably the size of a, a, a push pin, not a push pin with a big plastic, a straight pin head. And without any thought, Yep, without any thought, without any, without any remorse. Don't tell PETA, please. And people who don't know PETA is that's people for the ethical treatment of animals. Uh, I did, I squashed him. I know you feel bad for him, don't you? Yeah. God isn't like that. What is man who's, God is so much further, higher than us, way higher than us, and yet he cares for his creation. What is man that you care for him and you made him just below yourself and crowned him with glory? Now, another thing I was wondering is why is there so much detail about the ark? Okay? Why is there so much detail? The size, how long it is, how long it rained and how long they stayed on the ark and all this stuff. And it's, a, it's not just a quick story. And some of it we get wrong. We've, getting some of the, we've gotten some of these stuff wrong over the ages. How many, how many animals... How, how did he take the animals on the ark? How many of each kind? Two. Wrong. Yeah, there we go. He got it. They took two of each of the unclean animals, uh, one pair of each of the unclean animals, and seven pairs of the clean animals. Well, most people don't know that. I was reading a quote, something. Uh, maybe I, I, I have it on here. I don't know. Uh, people will talk about money. And, the, and you know, secular people, they say uh, money is the root of all evil. And they miss it. I, I saw a guy quote something about money and he said, it, it isn't the problem with money, the problem is greed. He says, yes, you got it right, but the Bible already told us that. So what is the, Moses is what he's doing, he's answering air. Seven days of rain would not do it. And how do we, where did all the water come from? From seven days of rain or from 40 days of rain? No. Not only did it rain from the top, it says the fountains of the deep were open. So you've got this huge amount of water coming from all over the place. And it takes a long time for the water to recede. And, and, this, is a, and, and this is also important. And this ark that he builds, 
there is room for more. The ark could hold 569 boxcars, and there were the size of 251 boxcars left over after all the animals were on board. I didn't look at that. So 251, 251 is, is uh, 500. So a lot more people could fit there. A lot more. So Noah was a preacher of righteousness. What does a preacher of righteousness do? What is he doing as he's building this ark? Well, he's inviting people to come on. As he builds it, he says, come on board. And he's inviting them to change their mind about God and to believe God's word and to come on board in the ark. Just the mere fact that Noah is building this boat that's uh, 450 feet long should be a hint that there's something fantastic going to happen. Something ominous, if I could say that word. And so, so they ask him, well, why are you building these, uh, this ark? And so he sings this little song. Have you ever seen the rain? Sorry. No, te they de no details are given, but I imagine that he offers them a ride uh, to safety. What's required? What do these people have to do? These, un these unrighteous people, just like us, just like we were, what do we have to do? We just have to respond. We have just to believe that God's word is true. Are they too evil to change? He had no, no takers, but just one. Is our society worse than theirs? God wants us to offer what? An ark of safety. So some people today, I think I talked about this earlier, some today teach that religion is bad. And I say that bad religion is bad and good religion is good. So here's a picture from Brandon Scott. And, uh, and he knows nothing of the words of Jesus about loving your enemies. Look at this. The problem with writing about religion is that you run the risk of, of offending sincerely religious people and then they come after you with machetes. Is that what Jesus teaches? Is that what Jesus teaches? No, he doesn't teach that at all. Jesus taught what was good. He taught us to love our enemies. You don't like religion? Okay, it's, think it's bad. Which of the Ten Commandments would you like to throw out? Which one? Would you like to throw out, how about, uh, how about not resting? You know, how about having a day of rest? If, 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 if God weren't around, would there be a day of rest? Hey, God, you know, thank you for you know, letting somebody know that it would be good to rest. That's a good thing. I don't want, don't, can we have two more? You know, can we have a weekend? You know? this, rest is a good thing. How about... How about not murdering? Oh, no, no. We don't want to have that bad religi religious stuff taught. How about coveting? No, no, no. We don't want to have that bad religious. How about honoring your mother and dad? Oh, no, that's terrible. Which of the teaching in Jesus on the Sermon on the Mount, and by the way, uh, the, the Beatitudes, if you want to see them, they're all in those picture frames out in the lobby. Uh, which of those are bad? I think things are bad I think things are bad today. Are they the worst they've ever been? Probably not. But 
the effect on our society of what Jesus has done is still here. You probably don't realize that. Well, what, because of what Jesus taught, our society is nowhere near as bad because we have, from Christians, universities. Do you realize without Christians you wouldn't have science, wouldn't have modern science? Do you realize without Christians you wouldn't have um, hospitals? Do you realize without the, the, the teaching of Jesus you would still, we would still be, have slavery? Do you realize that women would have no rights? And you say, well, there are some religions who, who, who uh, thought, had different views about women. The, the Jews didn't. When I was a young man, I heard this saying, it says, thank God that I'm not a Gentile, thank God that I'm not a sinner, and the worst thing on the list was thank God I'm not a woman. Jesus doesn't teach that, does he? Or because of what Jesus taught, slavery is abolished. Going back in history, go look at the history, American history, and see who it was who ended, who pushed, and who put out magazines and, and articles and newspapers to get rid of slavery. It wasn't non-Christians who were doing that. They were Christians. And there, though there are many who are trying to do a good, good job challenging ideas, and I think that their motivations are right. They just, they just don't understand what, who, what Jesus is. And I know that, that there are some really good people who think that we shouldn't be religious and we shouldn't you know, believe in superstition. I do not believe in superstition. You know, somebody was told me that they didn't believe in, in, in Jesus because he claimed to be God and a man cannot be God. Did I say this last week? Well, that's true. A man cannot be God. But can God become a man? There you go. So religious people or, non, or good non-religious people have a really difficult time with grace because they don't see themselves as sinners. They have a hard time with sin because they don't see themselves as sinners. They have a hard time with repentance because they don't see the, and they have a tar- hard time with the Bible because it seems like it's a myth. 2,000 years, we've had this Bible in America for 2,000 years and, st- and still here. Maybe that's why Jesus came to save sinners because sinners know they're sinners. We know they're sinful. And the problem is, is that sometimes good people don't, don't want to see the, their, the, the yearnings of their heart. They don't want to look deep into their heart and see the, the flaws in their own self, the guilt inside them. And they're just playing games with themselves and probably not meaning, meaning to do that. We might be happy to condemn sinners and I don't know if you would have thought about what they did in that time. We're not told exactly how wicked they were. We can just imagine how wicked they were. I imagine they were killing children and, because that's what those religions did. I imagine doing terrible things and, and we would be happy to condemn them, but God isn't. Was God ever pleased to kill anyone? Any, anyone? Can you think of anyone who it pleased God to kill? Can you think about that? Here's a, here's a statement by, by Isaiah about the state of mankind. All we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned every one to his own way. What does that mean? Well, we're all bad and we're all doing our own thing. And, 
and how bad can I be? We're just going to, just having fun and going out. And certainly won't, God won't, won't judge that, will he? Is he going to kill these people? And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. He's talking about somebody. He was oppressed. He was afflicted. He was, he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter and as a sheep before his shears is silent so he opened not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment and, and who shall declare his generation for he was cut off out of the land of the living. Cut off means killed. That's the way, we, that's the way they said it in those days. Why was he killed? God was making a substitute for the penalty of my sin. That's what he was doing. He's as a substitute. Somebody was taking my place. I need a substitute. I need someone because I don't want to pay for my sin. Listen, this is continue on in Isaiah. For the transgression of my people, he was stricken. He was, and he made his grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death because he had done no violence, neither was any deceit in his mouth. So here's a sinful person taking my sins. And then verse 10. And yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. And he put him to grief. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin. Jesus paid for our sin. And if you want you can uh, read the crucifixion story in Matthew. I'm not going to read it. Will, what will God do to save mankind? How can he still punish sin and still offer a way of escape? Well, he found one person who he could use, and this guy's name was Noah. It says Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. He found grace. He found undeserved favor. And the only one thing was required that he trust him, make that choice. God I'm a sinful person. I don't know how sinful is. I don't know how sinful his kids were. I know nothing about his life except for he found grace and he decided he made that choice. You see, God gave him, made him righteous. He imputed him righteous. People don't know what imputed righteousness. Change it to input, like a computer. Input, right? He inputted into his computer righteousness. That's what he did. He, it's his. This is God's computer language. He downloads the righteousness into us. He inputs to us righteousness. He cleans our disk. And he forgives us. He deletes all our sin. He scans our hearts and our minds for viruses. And then he reboots. And then we are free to live a whole completely different way. Without sin. Be able to be productive. No blue screens of death. First Peter says this, and who were disobedient, talking about the people of Noah, while the patience of God kept waiting in the days of Noah during the construction of the ark in which few, that is eight persons, were brought safely through the water. And these are the records and generations of Noah. This is back to Genesis. Noah was a righteous man, blameless in his time. Noah walked with God. What is God waiting for? How is God as patient? What is he waiting for? Hey Noah, can you build a little faster? What is your problem? You don't have enough laborers. Oh, yeah, your sons are, are slow pokes. I told you they should work out before we did this stuff. 
You think he's waiting for Noah? He's not waiting for Noah. He doesn't care how long it takes to take Noah to build it. He's waiting for the people. He's offering grace. Here's the ark of safety. He's offering grace, and none will take it. The building of the ark speaks of two things. Judgment to come and a way of escape. But how are they going to change their mind? How are people in our world going to change their mind? How are they going to do that? Here's some passage out of Romans written by Paul. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Well, Noah did that. And how will they call on him in whom they have not believed? How will they believe in him whom they have not heard? And how will they hear without a proclaimer? How will they proclaim unless they're sent? No, we're sent. Jesus told us that. He told us as, as you travel around this world, as you go to your job, as you do your thing, make disciples. Just as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news of good tidings. How beautiful are the, your feet. You've got great feet. Don't take your shoes off. But, you know, God has done something beautiful in your life. And however, they did not heed the good news. For Isaiah said, who has believed our report? So faith comes by hearing, and hearing comes by the word of Christ. So that's our job. They're not going to believe unless they hear about Jesus. And how are they going to hear about Jesus? Let me suggest this. Talk to people in, in five words. One, love. Okay? You can easily remember that. What's different about Christianity from all the religions of the world? What's different of Christianity about atheism? It's love. Do, do atheists love? Do you know that more athe or atheism has killed more people than, than religion? Do you know that? Look it up. Tell people what is that, that Jesus is love, that God is love. And then the second word is evil. When you realize that there's a flaw in you, and that you weren't able to do anything about it. Can you save yourself? Can you redeem yourself? Can you change yourself? Oh, for a while. I know about that. I make these claims of going to get off sugar for a while. But then, I, then, I'm, then I'm weak and I'm flawed. And I'm evil. Well, I'm not as bad as I used to be. I'm not where I should be. But then... I heard of someone who would rescue me. That's what happened to me. I heard of someone who would rescue me. And then the hardest thing to do was I had to make that choice. I can't tell you how many times I turned down Jesus. I don't want to hear the story. Sorry, I'm Jewish. We don't believe in Jesus. Don't tell me. I don't want to hear anymore. The hardest thing to do in all of life isn't to stop sinning. The hardest thing in life to do is to make that choice to trust God. And then the fifth thing is restoration. God did something inside of me. He changed me. He made me new. He gave me a new heart, a new mind, a new way to think, a new perspective in life. He gave me a glimpse of the big picture, which we talk about all the time. It's very well be that God is waiting for this generation to change their mind as he was waiting for that generation. We don't know whether they'll, they'll change their mind or not, but tell them the ark. These people in Genesis were all about violence, beauty, lust. 
and they were continually evil all the time and they had no thought there was anybody bigger than themselves just kind of like our day uh, read one passage out of Jeremiah it's about destruction I don't believe that God ordained these people for destruction God chose them for destruction Jeremiah says this then the word of the Lord came to me saying can I not O house of Israel deal with you as a potter does declares the Lord behold like the clay of the potter's hand so you are in my hands O house of Israel at one moment I speak concerning a nation or concerning a nation to uproot to pull down and to destroy it and if that nation which I have spoken turns from its evil I will relent concerning the calamity I plan to bring on it elders why don't you make your way forward so when this invitation goes out there's an when if we if we were to change your mind about evil and sin God would would relent he would he would bring this ark he would allow them into the ark if they would just ch change their mind about God and if they refuse if our generation and this next generation come for do not want to change the the end will come destruction will come and we don't know what that looks like it might be that the world might look better externally but internally it may be look a lot worse but God is offering a way of escape and it is through Jesus the ark of safety Noah's ark is a type of Jesus when you are in when Noah and his family were in the ark they were saved they were rescued when we are in Christ we are rescued so it's interesting going this this story it's interesting that Jesus paints this wonderful picture how he is going to deal with sinful man as if he was just kind of looking over Isaiah 53 himself and then reading that and say I am the fulfillment of that and so first Corinthians says this for I received from the Lord which I delivered to you so here's this guy who didn't like Jesus didn't like the way didn't like the church at all and sought to get rid of it and then God speaks to him reveals himself to him and he says I saw the risen Christ and in the night that the Lord Jesus was betrayed he took bread and what he's going to say is, think of this Isaiah 53 passage that we read. By the way, remember that Isaiah 53 passage. It should be part of your, it should be part of your, you don't have to read the New Testament to talk about Jesus. There it is, clear as, as clear as you can possibly get. You can see Jesus in this chapter. 